Thank you for calling Madness Madness out of the office auto reply. We are currently out of the office. You've pressed six to hear more about Tom Petty. The following is an excerpt from an article by Tom Petty's biographer, Warren Zanes. Tom Petty's biography by Warren Zanes is an excellent book, and you should read it. I'm not going to say even if you're not interested in Tom Petty, but if you are interested in Tom Petty, you should read it. If you're not, you should re-examine your choices and think about what brought you to this place. This excerpt from Warren Zane's article upon hearing of Petty's death has been condensed somewhat by me because I'm just reading you part of it. Thank you for hearing the definition of the word condensed. There was an important conversation that didn't make the book that came too late in the process. It's a story about coffee. When I'd drive to Tom Petty's house for interviews, I'd always stop about half a mile away from his place to get my cup of coffee, after which I'd make my way down that last stretch of Pacific Coast Highway that brought me to his driveway. There I'd call up to the main house, the gates would open, and I'd drive up the hill toward Tom Petty's world. After parking, I'd go into the recording studio lounge, no one there but me, where I'd see a tray with two overturned ceramic mugs, sugar, spoons, milk, and a large thermos of, yes, coffee. It was always there. I never saw anyone deliver it or remove it, but it was always hot and it was always fresh. Of course, I wasn't going to take the chance and show up without my own coffee, only to find out that that one time there was no tray with two overturned mugs, a thermos, etc., the interviews for Petty, the biography, took place over a period of years. During one of the final sessions, knowing this was near the end, I mentioned to Tom that he always provided a great cup of coffee, better than what I brought myself. Now, please understand, not every thought I shared with Petty got a response. He wasn't big on small talk, but in this case, I saw that what I'd said registered with him. Petty had those pale blue eyes, and when he fixed them on you, the effect was arresting. My comment about the coffee had gotten his attention. You know, Warren, he said, holding my gaze, you're not the first person to say that. What Petty went on to say was about coffee, and it wasn't. Petty went on for 20 minutes, maybe more, talking about what a good cup of coffee should be, how to recognize one, where to find one. It was a level of engagement he reserved for subjects like Fender telecasters or the Beatles. The story he told me went something like this. He'd been out driving with his wife Dana north of their Malibu home when they'd stopped at a diner. The coffee there, he told me, was close to perfect. Generally reserved, even shy, he felt compelled to ask the waitress what kind it was. She didn't know. She told him she'd ask the manager. The manager, possibly surprised that a rock and roll legend wanted information about the diner's coffee, gave him the secret, which wasn't really a secret at all. It was Maxwell House. When Petty heard the words Maxwell House, he didn't turn back. He wasn't going to deny the truth of his experience. In his view, it was a great cup of coffee. He didn't bow to any hipster sensibility that went against his own tastes. His response, can I see how you make it? The manager took Petty into the kitchen where a bun automatic coffee maker was doing its thing. If you look in most any diner across America, the bun automatic is a pretty standard fixture. For the places that do high-volume work, their units are professional-grade, tied into the plumbing rather than just sitting there on the countertop. So not long after the diner's visit, that's what Petty installed at his home. Two of them, in fact. He didn't want to find himself waiting for a cup of coffee. But the story didn't stop there. 
The following Christmas, Petty explained, when hosting a family gathering that extended over a week, a private chef providing each day's centerpiece of a sit-down family meal, Petty was again struck by a cup of coffee. The chef was using the Maxwell House, the bun automatic, yet the coffee tasted even better. Again, Petty went to the source, asking the chef what he'd done. As the man explained, before he put the Maxwell House into the machine, he used a knife to level off every cup he measured out. It was exact. Not close, exact. From there on out, that's how it would be done at the Petty home. That, Petty told me, is what I'd been drinking. He was still looking directly at me, as if to make sure I was getting all of this. I felt as though he didn't just want to tell me something, he wanted to leave a mark. The Tom Petty who had watched thousands of cowboys move across the TV screen, well, just then he looked like one of them. I couldn't think of a whole lot else to do but take a sip of that coffee and say, it's good. This really is good coffee. To which Petty said, you got that right. Of course, if his account ends there, that doesn't mean the story ends there. It's mine to tell, and I keep thinking about it. Had I ever seen Tom Petty without a cup of coffee? I wasn't sure I had. When he walked onto his bus after a show, the crowd's still thinking they might get one more song. There was a cup of coffee waiting for him. On the plane, cup of coffee. At the Heartbreaker Clubhouse, coffee. I had to ask Petty, did he like what had happened with American coffee in the past decade or two? How did he feel about a quality espresso? He looked at me like I'd missed the whole point of his story. Yes, he told me, he tried some espresso made backstage by one of the heartbreakers. I'm guessing Ben Montench or Steve Ferrone, but Petty didn't say. He just said he didn't get it. Should a cup of coffee be over that quickly? Is what's good for tequila good for coffee? He didn't answer the question, just looked at me in a way that said, no, it isn't, Warren. What he was after in a cup of coffee, he explained, was something he found in a Gainesville diner where he could sit for hours getting refills, wrapping his fingers around a cup that kept being replenished. This, I came to believe, is what this coffee story was all about. It wasn't about coffee, not exactly. In that perfect cup of coffee Tom Petty served me on Malibu afternoons, every cup of Maxwell House exactly level, he could almost experience, almost feel something he couldn't completely get back to. That coffee, I came to believe, was his rosebud. We're not talking about a hot drink any more than Charles Foster Kane was talking about a sled. It was really about a moment in Petty's life when the world was in front of him, when he could feel the closeness of that kid crazy for rock and roll before the disappointments that come even to the star's life. We were talking about a cup of coffee, but a cup of coffee into which a world could be poured. Thank you for pressing 6 to hear more about Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. The article by Warren Zanes for Rolling Stone magazine is called Tom Petty's Biographer on the Story He Didn't Tell. Warren Zanes' biography of Tom Petty, Petty the Biography, it's a good name, right, is an excellent book, and you should purchase it and read it. It's very good. Madness Madness will be back on June 30th. Thanks for listening.